the human communication playbook. The end of human exceptionalism. Hmm. Now, the law of emergent functionality doesn't exist yet. And, well, it does now because I just invented it. I googled it. And since my university days, since those days of building cockroaches and studying and poking inside people's heads, not literally, but given the chance, I may well have had a go. I'm a bit too squeamish, but I like the idea. Since my university days, I've been convinced that the law of emergent functionality was a thing. I've been telling people about it, and sometimes I get blank responses. But now, maybe if I tell it to you, and in the context of this conversation, it might make a little bit of sense. Somebody needed to invent the law, so here we are. I didn't invent the effect, however. Emergent functionality has been with us for millions of years. Just look at nature. Behold the plant leaf, a beautiful yet complex and dynamic organism. If you've ever held the skeleton of a leaf stripped of its green flesh in the autumn, leaving only behind the delicate architecture, you can realize how amazing this piece of nature is. Darwin too mar marveled at such nature. He marveled at the human eye. And even though he wrote the uh, origin of species, and he questioned the descent of man. He still wondered how an object so complex could have emerged without a grand design. Well, actually, it turns out there is a design, and that design is a formula. Computer graphics programmers have long been able to mimic stunning natural landscapes on screen using simple formulae. Many of the ideas of this work were inherited from the earliest equations for fractals, such as, and I'll try and read this now, f function of x equals x squared minus 1. Now, this is a simple equation, and you can, with this equation, produce beautifully intricate mathematical structures. And simple equations can yield complex outcomes. That is the law of emergent functionality. Roach, the cockroach I built in the university labs, was a very simple electronic circuit, yet it can behave somehow intelligently. And the difference between these equations and divine intelligence is only a problem of scale. So, does that mean there is a formula for the Sistine's chapels? Is there a formula for replicating Michelangelo's creation of Adam? Human exceptionalism says no. Michelangelo's conscious, his conscious insight was beyond mathematical deduction, a divine spark that passed from God to mankind, from finger to finger, like the very painting itself. But what if consciousness was no more than itself an epiphenomenon epiphenomenon a byproduct like the hum of your fridge or the whir of your computer fan arguing consciousness makes us human is like saying a fridge is only a fridge if it makes a humming sound because that's what fridges do but that's not what fridges are designed to do rather than our divine nature, could consciousness be nothing more than the hum of our busy brains? 
Yeah, those massively complex machines containing billions of maybes are consuming a lot of energy. It's possible that they are humming a lot. Now, within our lifetime, I believe AI will exhibit godlike capabilities, thought only within the reach of humans, the Michelangelos of our generation. AI will exhibit omniscient insight, awareness, and knowledge and analysis beyond any man alive. And that includes woman. I say man as in capital M. As machines like AlphaGo and Xiao Ice become exponentially more complex, they too exhibit this kind of insight that some would consider divine. Move 37 confounded the world's best grandmasters in Go. They called it genius. If consciousness, genius and insight are indeed the last refuge of human exceptionalism, then we are going to be disappointed because machines are already here. Consider this a fact that will resurface in this book. The Apollo program took mankind to the moon with four, four whole megabytes of memory. The average smartphone in your pocket now has 100,000 times more computational power than the Apollo program. Think of that. The average person has 100,000 times more computational power in their pocket than the computer program that sent mankind to the moon. Ignore the fact for a moment that most of us are using those phones to record dancing videos on TikTok or tuning our faces to win more likes. The computational power is there. We have 500 trillion times more computational power spread across mankind and our cell phones than the technology that took us to the moon 50 years ago. Between us and machine, there is nothing divine. There exists nothing so unexplainable that 500 trillion times more computational power won't fix. So from the viewpoint of human commonality on which this book is based, consciousness is the epiphenomenon of computational complexity and divine insight from emergent functionality. Or more simply put, imagine a fridge that just knows what you want to eat for dinner and makes a whining noise whilst it keeps your vegetables cold. Like a chimpanzee, you could argue that both behaved with some kind of level of self-awareness and consciousness, but neither could actually tell you that they were. That's where we are with AI today in the 2020s. People will resist the uncomfortable truths that this raises. And for some time, I did too. For years, yes, I believed in Santa. And I could never actually reconcile how a fat guy could physically get down our chimney. Never mind the fact that our house didn't actually have a chimney. These were the factual irregularities that were less important than the persistence of a narrative I wanted to believe in. And it's the same. In his book, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said of mankind's folly that they, quote, into every gap put their delusion, 
their stopgap, which they called God. Human exceptionalism is the modern folly of mankind. As cute as it seems now for our forebears to be fooled by the mechanical Turk, its modern reincarnation is less innocuous. Countless experts are banging the drum for corporates to take courses in data science, for doctors to upskill, reskill, retool, and for everyone to buy into the myth that data is the new oil. Exceptionalism is taking us in the wrong direction. It's training us to compete head-on with machines by being cleverer, more insightful, more genius. And this is a game that we will not only lose, but one that history teaches us that we should be prepared if we indulge in this game to be crushed mercilessly. So, what will the future of AI, and importantly, humanity look like in 20 years most cars will be driverless most hospitals doctorless and both accountants and lawyers won't be a human but a machine you might agree or at least agree in part that ai will replace a significant percentage of these workforces but where i diverge from popular opinion is just how this shift will occur Let's go back to those doctors. What have I told you that despite this shift, the most valuable healthcare professionals, accountants, lawyers, and teachers will actually be human. The qualities we need from humans won't be knowledge, insight, and expertise, but emotion, caring, and connection. The future hospital may be run by robotic doctors, but it will be managed and tended to by human nurses. AI, you see, is not designed to make mistakes. And the failings of the flesh, the pain of loss, the humiliation of failure, are the very human weaknesses that, in the era of the machine, will also become our strength. Everything else gets automated. Imagine your granddaughter telling you today at school she learned that a doctor used to be a person. You may laugh, but as I'll remind you a few times more in this book, a computer also used to be a human. This isn't the end, folks, but rather this is the beginning. The magic we seek that lies in the gap is not some divine consciousness, but real human vulnerability. This is the human commonality viewpoint that underscores this book. What connects us as human beings is what makes us special.